G'day and welcome to the very first episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and on a weekly basis, I'm going to be bringing you my insights into the Perth property market, as well as the mindsets and strategies to succeed at growing your wealth and improving your life. And I'm not just going to be doing it alone. I'm going to be bringing along a lot of the experts that I know, and uh, we're all looking forward to sharing our experiences with you. So what better place to start than with a Perth property market update? And today I'm going to go deep into the sale market, the rental market, and I'm bringing you the predictions from both ANZ and RBA on what you can expect for the year ahead. It's all very exciting. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Jared Mann here, and I'm really excited today to be bringing you my latest Perth property market update, where I'll be going deep into the sale market, into the rental market, the different factors at play on the ground that we're seeing uh, happening in our portfolio of over 700 properties around Perth. And I'm also going to be covering off ANZ's predictions as well as the RBA's predictions And then I'm going to wrap it all together in a crystal ball for you as to what's going to happen over the next year. So we've got a lot to be excited about compared to the last three or four years. Perth market has definitely turned around into recovery and I've titled today's market update, Don't Stop Me Now, you know, (laughs) cue the Queen song. So that's very much how the sentiment is. Things are really underway, the momentum is gathering and we're all thinking that it's almost too good to be true. So let me take you firstly into the sale market numbers. We've seen a continual decline in the number of properties for sale. We hit our peak in June last year, 2019, at 16,600 odd properties for sale. And we're now down to just 10,000 properties for sale. And that has continued in a very sharp trend downwards. So we're 28% down on last year at the same time. And that limited stock in the market is really not giving many buyers much choice. And when a quality property does come on the market, we're finding that especially in the family-friendly areas and those that are good locations with good schools and you know amenities, where you don't have lots of land coming on to disrupt things, as we've seen with the building grants. But in those quality areas, properties are very readily selling at first home open at the moment, and they're selling well and above asking price. I myself have been looking for intensely for the last two to three months for a family home to buy. and We've missed out a couple of times, and boy, I wish I could go back and buy the one I saw on my first week looking, but things are really heating up out there. So when we look at the number of properties that are getting sold each week, we've seen a steady increase over the last, well, 18 months now of trending upwards. We had a massive spike in July at odd 1,300 odd sales a week, and they were predominantly all the land that was getting sold and first home buyers predominantly taking up the building grants. And that those building grant sales, those land sales, all came in the space of four to six weeks and they've dropped off rapidly now. So 
I sold uh, 12 odd lots in a month and I've now, any lots that are left, we're now struggling to get inquiry on. And it really seems that the majority of buyers that were going to take that building grant up have done. And builders are also now struggling to issue a building contract before the end of the year. So we've really done the dash on that. And weekly sales have been strong throughout spring and have continued to trend up. And we're now sitting at approximately 900 sales a week. And that's continuing to drive the supply of properties down. And to give you an idea, that's over 38% higher in the number of sales per week than we were experiencing last year at the same time. So really looking strong both on the limiting supply and increasing demand. Now, when we check in on the median house price, this is always the factor that take the longest to show up the changes. So I consider the supply and the demand as leading indicators as well as the average selling time as a leading indicator. And then we look to price to see when that shows up. And keep in mind that even when a property is sold, it takes six to eight weeks to settle. And that data is always trailing the market too. When we look at the median, that's what over, it's a midpoint where half the homes are selling higher and half the homes are selling lower. And what we're seeing in Perth is that the top end of properties in the western suburbs, the coastal, the family-friendly quality properties, they're the ones where the majority of the heat and the action is. We're still seeing good activity in the middle to outer areas, but they're certainly not as hot yet. And then in the far out areas, some of those suburbs arguably would still be decreasing in price. And uh, as they're starting to find buyers uh, coming back to them, they're, they're having to still sell below what agents are thinking in order to sell and and meet the market. So we've leveled out our price at approximately 475, 475,000 as our median house price. Dare say it, that'll be our bottom because everything I'm seeing is suggesting that, you know, we're going to be coming up in the median in the the coming months ahead. Certainly already seeing 5 to 10% increases in prices in these western suburbs and quality inner areas and we'd be seeing you know three to five percent in some of the middle rung areas where a property is in demand so keep an eye on that median price and when we look at the units that's had a steeper fall in perth and it's now at approximately 370 and that may have a little bit more to gradually fall because the unit market seems to have been affected most by not having tourism, by not having the immigrants. They usually you know, gravitate towards the units initially. And many of the Airbnb properties on the rental side have been converted over to traditional rent. And so that market's a lot softer. And the unit market in Perth traditionally trails 12 to 18 months behind the sale market. So you know, that's going to take a bit more time to turn around. When we look at the land's median house price, that has had a solid jump from 235 over the last uh, 12 to 14 months. And that's just an indication that land was certainly did have its run with the building grants. And, but you can see that when we um, put the typical house price on of 250000 we're ending up very close to the median 
price for houses. And I expect that the land is going to taper off at least for the next six to 12 months in, in its median because it couldn't continue at the rate that it was, that's for sure. And then when we look at average selling time on market, this really gives me a good leading indicator guide as to what's happening on the ground. And you can see that for the Perth average selling time or median selling time, we're at 30 days now. So that's very quick. That means that there's still half the property selling faster than that, first and second week on market and half selling in five to six weeks on market. But that's a very sharp decrease. And boy, oh boy, if I see that go under 30 days, can it get any hotter? I'm not sure. So wait and see, eh? Now, what's happening with the construction grants as we finish off the year? I mentioned earlier that there's not very many buyers left. They all rushed in over a you know one to two month period. We're nearly going, going, gone with your chance for someone to use the 45,000 of government grants available so that they have to have their building contracts signed by the 31st of December. And then there was an extension to the conditions around the grants. The builder just has to commence on site at some point next year. Now, heaven forbid, if your builder can't get out to site within a year, um, you know, you really need to be, if you are signing up this late in the game, you really need to be going deeper with your builder and getting some reassurances on the timeframes and, you know, really checking if they've got the capacity to deliver and when. So make sure you look into that if you are engaging a builder now. Buyers have definitely dried up and we're already seeing significant delays from builders and all the trades and services that they use in order to deliver. So this is uh, immediately overnight seen bricklayers, uh, all kinds of trades become very uh, hard to get. And I'm just very thankful that with our rent roll, we've got stable trades that are very loyal to us and we're still able to readily get work done at the same pace. But any uh, mum and dad that wants to get some work done on their house, going to be very difficult to get a trade to do anything, let alone quote for you at the moment. So now on the rental market, boy, oh boy, it's hot out there. We have seen a 47% decrease in the number of properties for rent over the last six months. Massive, massive decrease. We hit our peak at 11,500 thousand in June 16 on the market. More recently, we've started trending downwards since December 2017 in our supply. And we're now at just 2,864 properties for rent. That's pretty frightening when we were previously at nearly 11,000. So very, very tight market out there. And we've only got 14 properties in our portfolio for rent when we normally have somewhere between 35 and 45 properties for rent. So I'm getting, I'm readily getting uh, private messages and text messages from people trying to get my help with the rental. We are definitely happy to try to help tenants and let them know what we've got coming up. And, you know, it's tough out there for tenants. It really is. If you want to move, you can't find somewhere. So I never wanted things to become this crazy. But, you know, we're trying to help people where we can and we are looking forward to the moratorium lifting in March and some more investors uh, coming into our market to bring uh, quality rental properties for them to choose from. So rental vacancy rate, accordingly, that has also dropped significantly. We hit 7.6% 
in October 17 as our peak. Now that is massive. That's why our uh, prices dropped 22% over that time. And then it started to tighten up and we're now at just 0.9%. So traditionally anything less than 3% will see upward pressure on prices. And what we're typically seeing on the average rental, uh, when we look at the median house rent, we've gone from 350 per week at our bottom where we sat. And ever since January last year, we've slowly been increasing, but more recently we've we've been more rapidly increasing. We've now hit 390 per week. So that's 350 to 390, an 8% increase. That's the median. We've certainly seen higher increases in some suburbs. So seeing about 10% on average, and we're, we're seeing 15 to 20% in some areas for some property types. And that's generally the family friendly, good schools, well-located properties. And the unit units are not uh, doing as well, but it depends where they are. So the CBD has not done, has struggled with the Airbnb properties coming back to the long-term tenant pool, but that supply is now being uh, taken up and it's returning to a more stable market there. And you'll find that uh, some of the units in the popular cafe strips have have done very well and bucked that unit trend. So property clock timing, let's have a bit of a look around the states as to what's been happening. We can see that Perth uh, is still labelled as being in start of recovery. That actually changed uh, two months ago, odd, when I uh, came last came to you with an update. And our southwest has also moved around into starting of recovery. You can see that Sydney has adjusted this month to now being labelled as approaching the bottom of its market. Melbourne and in a declining market. And Brisbane is a bit further ahead than Perth, both Brisbane and Adelaide. I know Brisbane's in start of recovery, but Adelaide um, is in a rising market. Uh, Gold Coast in in there is a rising market as well. I did want to touch on the typical time periods that we might see. People kind of think that a city stays in a stage of the cycle for even amounts of time. Looking back in the past, that is definitely not the case. What I kind of expect to see for Perth from here is two to three years of pretty rapid increase and then we'll start to taper off as we move into the fourth and fifth year, this is just, you know, predictions based on past timings. And then we'll have a bit of a down period as we come towards our seventh to ninth odd year. So that's what I typically expect. And the best gains are always made by the people that probably bought six, 12 months ago, but it's certainly plenty of uh, upside if you're looking to buy in Perth now. And uh, when we look at what's ahead. We're only really just starting our recovery. So now national property clock for units, you can see that Perth is still labelled around in a declining market. And we've got Gold Coast around in a rising market, Adelaide rising market. Sorry, Gold Coast is starting its recovery. We can see that Sydney market and the Melbourne market are also in a declining market stage as well. So units are not certainly not looking as favourable in all the main capital cities uh, as compared to houses, except for uh, Adelaide's units seem to be holding up quite well. 
Now, let's start going into a few of the predictions made by some of the reputable organisations. I was just rethinking whether how reputable uh, the banks are, but yes, they are. Uh, ANZ's predictions next year, we expect price gains averaging 9% across the capital cities. And when we drill down in that, they're expecting 12% for Perth to be the highest gains of any of the capital cities, 9.5% for Brisbane, 9.4% for Hobart, 8.8% for Sydney, and 7.8% for Melbourne. So very optimistic all round for all the capitals. And Perth being predicted to be the highest of all of them. So... 12%. I'd definitely expect that, if not more, from what I'm seeing. I spent a long time reading through all the Reserve Bank of Australia's meeting minutes because they happened to release a lot of insights this month as well as their predictions. So I really wanted to share them with you. And the exciting news from what the they're saying is that the near-term outlook has significantly improved. So they've increased their growth projection in gross domestic product from 4%, which they gave three months ago, to now being at 6% to the year ahead, to June 2021. So that's a pretty big jump when you consider uh, that's all, you know, two third, a third increase in what they're expecting. And they're also predicting it'll take until the end of 2021 for us to reach the level of output that we had uh, when we were going into this pandemic. So still a bit of recovery ahead or expecting that we need to, you know, all of next year to get back to those levels. Now, some of the more sobering um, news was that on the unemployment side, they're a bit worried in the medium term. So we face the prospect of a long period of higher unemployment and the unemployment rate is predicted to still be around 6% by the end of 2022. So when we went, when we went into this, we had low 5% for unemployment and it, we're still not going to be back to that according to the predictions. So that's why they're moving as well as the government to start making you know, even greater um, stimulus, even greater support for uh, jobs and the economy to see that we can better these figures. And this was just their base case that gives them an idea for where we're headed. So this would see wages uh, growth slow to 2% and inflation to 1%, they mentioned. So for those of you that are subscribing to my property investor updates, you can see all of the graphs that we've mentioned and you can also subscribe at investorsedge.com.au slash join. So check that out and uh, you can um, receive uh, insights straight to your inbox where you'll also get the graphs and other things that I'm referring to. So continuing on with their insights, population growth uh, over the last two decades, we've been at an annual rate of 1.5% on average. And to give you an idea what closing of these borders is doing to us, they're expecting to have just 0.2% compared to the normal 1.5% over the next year. So that's obviously going to have some implications and uh, that's going to be the lowest predicted 
rate of growth since 1916 when we had the uh, when all the Australians left for the First World War. So pretty significant uh, event, and you know to close the borders, it does have wider arching ramifications. So, but it does remain really hard to predict when the borders are going to open again, and when they do, what sort of rate of arrivals there'll be, and predominantly Sydney and Melbourne are going to be most affected by this closing of the borders. Perth hasn't been as reliant on. Uh, overseas migration typically people would go into sydney and melbourne and then migrate from those capitals across to other places like brisbane and perth and so what we're already starting to see is anecdotally much higher rates of migration coming across to our lovely state and because we're seen as a relative safe haven we've got great affordability and you know great prospects for jobs. So we're seeing a lot of even Melbourne and Sydney people making that move across now. And I've heard from a number of agents that properties have been selling sight unseen, you know, 50 to 70,000 above asking price to interstate people that have viewed them. When I say sight unseen, they've done a virtual tour over uh, FaceTime and checked them out that way and uh, not wanted to miss out, wanting to make the move over and have been offering over and above many of the locals. So watch out, local home buyers. We've got the East Coasters to contend with. What were the RBA's insights into the residential property market? So they're seeing our biggest cities have been more affected by the slowdown in population growth, which I just mentioned, and they're expecting their predictions for prices, funnily enough, for Sydney was to be 5% down over the next year and Melbourne down by approximately 10%. So a bit of a contrast to ANZ there. And within the capital cities, the markets are performing very differently for houses compared to apartments. A lot of people are making the switch and move in preferably into houses. I guess with a lot of the remote working Um, being more accepted. There isn't that need to be in the CBD as much and people are are wanting their space and not wanting to all be living on top of each other. So rents for houses have been generally rising in Sydney and Melbourne as well. And the apartment market has been a lot more affected by the lower population. And I mentioned earlier that where people often come when they're uh, foreign students and young adults staying at home Young adults starting out are probably choosing to stay at home with their parents. So to date, they have also noted that the demand from investors in the residential property market has been subdued. And it's possible that with low interest rates and the more optimistic outlook that this is going to change. So the real change that could come for Perth is things have been predominantly driven by home Home buyers upgrading at the moment, uh, but if the investors join the mix and they already are, we're going to see a whole new segment of demand that's going to start pushing the middle rung and the lower end areas up in price as well. Availability of finance. Now, it's always important to understand what's happening in the finance space because this liquidity of money enables more people to either buy properties or less people to buy properties. 
And you would have noticed that in the first week of November, we had another rate drop. So that's what I predicted uh, for all of my subscribers uh, a couple of months ago. And the RBA did follow through on that. And of course, it's very much, in my opinion, tied into enabling the government to finance their borrowing at a much lower rate. And they've just issued a government bond purchase program of over $100 billion over the next six months. So they're effectively financing the government and they've made it cheaper for the government to borrow those funds as well as cheaper for every other borrower in Australia to borrow funds. So definitely plenty of money sloshing around the Australian economy um, as a result of these things and uh, banks are fighting hard to still keep their customers you should ideally be paying under three percent in your loan interest so check up on that and you can fix now for two percent or lower and just keep in mind when you fix there are some downsides you can't offset money for the fixed portion of your loan make sure you chat with a finance broker and get uh, advice to your situation before doing anything now macquarie is uh, forecasting five years of low interest rates. And RBA has said in their minutes this month at least three years of low interest rates. And the other thing that has happened in finance, which I mentioned to our subscribers last month, is we've seen a change to the responsible lending laws, which are coming in or rather being uh, stripped back and uh, no longer will banks be and, and other lenders be prosecuted for the previous responsible lending that was put in place. So they may grant loans without being required to closely assess um, and completely understand the consumer's circumstances. So what that really means is that they're opening up the tap on money again and uh, they're going to you know, be taking away their microscopes and not uh, analysing things as deeply as they have been. Thank God, because they, they, one might argue that they've gone over the top with uh, how detailed they're looking into things. Now, what have we seen as far as policy changes and the impacts from these? So you'd have to be hiding or living under a rock to not know what has been going on with the US election. Biden has been called to have won the election and he's already bringing a greater sense of calm and stability to the rest of the world. So I think everyone was just, whether you like Trump or don't, I think we were all just ready for it to be over, it to be done, and hopefully he doesn't cause too much legal issue trying to uh, appeal the election and we can just get back on with business as usual. So I've looked into Biden's 100-day plan and many of the policies that to see what he stands for. And he seems a lot more focused on stopping the spread of COVID-19 and bringing about a vaccine. So I think that's a good and welcome change for the US. And he's going to reverse many of Trump's corporate tax cuts. Who knows the implications of that? Um, and he's got a lot of comprehensive immigration changes and he's basically going to allow a path to citizenship for over 11 million residents. So that sounds you know, very optimistic and like uh, interesting reforms to actually enable people to become citizens. 
and he's going to make the US an international leader on climate change. So that's a very different story that we'll start seeing coming out of there with policy and, uh, you know, might actually help Australia get uh, its act together on that front. It's going to end uh, Trump's executive order banning travellers from some Muslim uh, majority countries. So that's probably the right move too. So overall, we're seeing a lot more sense of stability come out of that, and it's really going to help the rest of the world get back up to speed on the other side of COVID. Now, finally, what's going on in WA? Our border is back open to the other states. Just when we thought it was going to be uh, to all states, South Australia is now not permitted again. They've had their minor outbreak, of course. And New South Wales and Victoria are still in the low-risk category requiring a 14-day quarantine. So people from the other states, ACT, Northern Territory, Queensland and Tasmania, can freely come in and out of the state without quarantining. So that's really great. And hopefully we can keep things under control in the other states and just enable people to migrate, enable people to have interstate holidays, you know, really looking forward to, to that when we can do it a lot more freely. So. Now, I've touched on in previous updates the impact of the Residential Tenancies Act changes and them being extended to the 28th of March. So all the chatter and what I'm seeing is that they're not likely to be extended. I really appreciate many of our clients um, getting in touch with their local ministers for parliament and getting on board um, you know, uh, the lobbying of trying to see that this is changed or not extended. So I think that's going to help the government see that it is only really a small minority of tenants, 1% odd, that are affected by COVID still. We definitely need to give support and help to them. But I think it's well overdue that we should be passing on rent increases. And uh, we're very much looking forward to issuing uh, those in the lead up to the 28th of March. So two months out, we'll be issuing those to tenants. Now, uh, the rent relief grant is still available for those tenants that are affected. So keep that in mind. You can get up to $2,000 if you've lost uh, your job and meet a number of other criteria. So if you're one of our tenants, we'll certainly let you know about that. Now, tips to survive and thrive to finish off the year and the year ahead. I definitely consider upgrading your home or buying an investment property in well-located areas. So they're likely, well-located areas are likely to be unaffected. There's too much momentum in, in those areas that, you know, it's going to continue to increase in price, regardless of anything that happens. And as for the outer areas, I'm starting to see increased buyer activity there. So if you're wanting to sell, consider selling now. It all depends on what you're planning to do and your reasons for selling. So if you've held on this long for uh, you know, waiting for the market to turn and you're at an emotional low, make sure you do hold on if you don't have a good reason to sell. If you need the borrowing capacity out or you need the, the money out or it's costing you too much to hold, make sure you revisit uh, your interest rates and your depreciation schedules and, you know, see what we've got ahead for you with rental increases and uh, try to hang on because the upside in the next two to three years is going to be great. And if you want to bargain in these outer areas, still possible. There is, it's still, you know, a, a weaker market and, but that window is closing. So now's the time to get into some of the outer areas 
uh, if you're in that bargain buying space. Now, my crystal ball for the next six to 12 months. Rents are likely to increase 20 to 30% over the next 12 months before some easing and pressure when tenants move out into their newly built homes. And they, with these increasing rental prices, many more of them are going to want to get out of renting. So that's going to fuel the second uh, wave towards these um, established homes in the middle and outer areas. So that's what's uh, going to drive our, our property market over the next year as well. There's going to be a real lull in land and new home sales from now on. And investors have definitely started to come back to the market and we're mainly seeing East Coast investors, not locals yet. So they're being attracted by the increasing rental yields and good prospects for growth. Our established homes in the outer areas are likely to be negatively impacted a bit for a while, especially where there's land around them. So the building grants have really stirred up those areas that have the land supply. So people have obviously all opted in for a a package instead of an established there. And we'll see prices continue to rise in the well-located areas, definitely. We've got too much momentum now. Um, Wherever the good schools are that are well-established, that don't have land supply, we're going to see them increasing. And I am already seeing that immigrants uh, from interstate, so migrants from interstate, is going to be a big part of the successful recovery of WA. I think when our international borders open up, they're going to be, uh, surely we'd be the number one choice for many as well. So I think that's going to support our continued recovery and uh, continue to keep pressure on prices when that happens. So thank you for joining me for my Perth Property Market Update. Make sure that you head along to our website at investorsedge.com.au slash join and subscribe for future updates. 